Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. We're back. Um, just one show tonight. Um, just getting ready for Thanksgiving. So, you know, happy Thanksgiving to everybody next, you know, tomorrow. And then we'll be back next week with a couple of shows. But tonight, uh, we had a, had a group reach out to me. And we talked and I really was interested in what they they were doing. And we're, one of the things that we'll talk about is Chicago Mothman. They're doing but it's the Phenomenology Research Partners, uh, PRP. You can find them at phenomenologyresearchpartners.com. Um, we have, we have team, uh, Bill um, Kasoulis, uh, JC Kasoulis, and Amanda Raber. Um, they're going to be with us tonight, and we're going to be talking about not only what is phenomenology research and just the different projects that they're involved in, and that is next. Welcome to the Three Beards Podcast. My name's Craig, along with Austin and Chris. Passed to a new generation of Americans born in this century. Let me out. Austin, but Chris may or may not be here because he is picking up family from the airport. So he's going to, he's on his way. So he might be here. He might not, but either way, like I said, we're this exciting. I like, I didn't really know much about the term phenomenology until I looked it, looked it up. And that one was just, uh, they'll correct me if I got the wrong definition, but through my research is that it's a philosophical study of the observed unusual, whether it's people events as they appear yeah, and so kind of an example of that is um, green flash that happens before sunset or just before sunrise. That's one of the, it, but also different, you know, creatures stuff. But it's that's where we brought the experts in. So I don't just babble about subject I don't really know about, and that's why we're we have JC Bill Kasulis and Amanda Raber with us tonight. How are you, folks? Hey, so far so good, Craig. Thanks for having <laughs> us on. Oh, no, well, I mean, appreciate you guys reaching out to us. I mean, that's that's one of the when I got the message, I was like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's I'm like anytime, anytime we get these things, because I set out when I got with the guys about doing the show is I wanted it. I've always been a big fan of shows like Coast to Coast AM, those different ones where just the different topics, and then when I'd search stuff up. You know, I couldn't find it. You know, it was kind of frustrating. But then I, I started, why not just do the show ourselves instead of, you know, instead <laughs> of fighting. So that's 
kind of where you, and you guys you know are, are helping fill those things because like i said i i never honestly when i started this out i mean i don't don't think i would have ever thought of, you know show like phenomenology so that's what is it to you guys what is your definition well, guys, thanks for asking and, and again thanks for having us on guys oh yeah we, we appreciate it so uh phenomenology the, the term itself basically applies to a, a study wherein you, as a first person perceiver what is your experience you know it could be pertinent to any any type of uh any type of a phenomenon so to speak so that could be anything that presents itself either as a normal circumstance let's say the five of us together on this screen tonight that's a phenomenon that's something that's happening it's taking place but each one of us has a perspective upon how that's taking place so phenomenology is the study of our perception from a first person point of view and it can be about anything normal or it certainly could be about anything paranormal as well no oh, nice and then uh, so ob obviously how did how did you guys come about forming the research partners group i mean who who started that? Who who kind of came up? Who spearheaded it? You know, just type all those things for the people that don't know you. Yeah, and kind of kind of ad hoc actually, Jackie. Since you kind of reached out and got this set up, can you give a little bit of a history as to how we came together and what we did? Well, Bill and I had a plan of um, doing something on this order, but we weren't exactly sure where we were going, except for we definitely wanted to do something with the Point Pleasant experience of the Silver Bridge collapse and the Mothman. And um, we took Amanda with us out to Point Pleasant because she had never been there before. And we ran into a fellow named Steve Ward and um, was chatting with him for a little bit. And um, he asked us to be on his podcast. So in on the way back and over a little bit of time after we got back, we decided that since we were going to be on Steve's podcast. We needed to decide uh, if we were going to like have a name, if we were going to do this together. And so we kind of put the name together, put a website together, got on the pad podcast. And then from there, here we are. <laughs> nice. That's, that's cool. Yeah. Cause that, that's one of the, we've had Steve Ward on the show. Yeah. We talked to him. Um, we've also really close friends with Joey and Tanya Medea. And they're they're big. Joey's working on a Mothman escape room yeah. for, for yeah. there. So he's doing he's doing that. And so that's that's really I'm hoping you know. I, so that would be cool. You know, getting that. You know, find that that's one of those destinations that's on the list. It's like I have to get to Point Pleasant because you know you guys. I mean, everybody else we're talking to is just you know they're they're like you've got to get here. And I'm like I'm like I know. I just it looks like an absolute blast getting there for the festival. Well, and you know what, Craig? Hey, as long as you open the door there, Jackie and I have been there a number of times. But Amanda, what was your first trip to Point Pleasant like the first time we went? Oh, boy. It was, um, you know, I, I had heard so much about it, so I thought I knew what to expect. Um, but when I got there, honestly, it was it was different than I expected. Um, everybody was just so friendly and... It wasn't in like an ooky spooky sort of place. Like Point Pleasant, a lot of times is portrayed as, "Ooh, this is where the Mothman was," and all this, mm -hmm. you know, spooky stuff. But it, it it's pleasant. <laughs> it really is just pleasant. Um, but we did 
you know, go into all the, the spooky places, like the TNT area. Okay, that is pretty spooky. Um, <laughs> I want to see that too, because I've seen the I've seen that, pictures from Joey and Tanya, and it's like I'm like, oh, that looks pretty awesome. Yeah, that was very otherworldly. Um, but then, the, I mean, the rest of it was just very beautiful and, like I said, friendly. And um, man, I'm not really an escape room person, but I cannot wait to go back and do that as that Mothman escape room. That sounds yeah. so. Yeah, that's that's one of those things I'm looking forward to. I think that's going to just be an absolute, you know, absolutely fantastic draw for him. And was now you guys you you spent a, a l- little bit of time there. So have you? Um, what would you say is your biggest experience that you guys you know that collect you know either collectively or individually have had in that area? Well, I think uh, to answer that, I'm thinking back. Jackie and I have been there what, seven times now, six, seven times. We took a, a vacation back in 2016 because we wanted to go someplace together between work and everything else we've had going on. It was tough to carve time out, but we, we were able to make a vacation. And I think our very first trip, um, speaking for myself, probably the most profound experience that we had there wasn't necessarily paranormal. It was the relationships. Like Amanda was just alluding to, when Jackie and I first arrived at Point Pleasant, we got there after the Mothman Museum was closed back in July of 2016. But there was a little lady in a restaurant across the street that was kind of acting like she wanted to spend some time with us. And Jackie said, why don't we why don't we go in there? I think she wants to talk to us. So we ended up meeting a lady by the name of Carolyn Harris. And I don't know if that name rings a bell or not, but Carolyn actually was somebody who had a, a, a restaurant called the Harris Steakhouse, a.k.a. the Mothman Diner. We became fast friends with her. I mean, we just fell in love with her. She was the sweetest lady. And we got to know her over the course of the next several days. And being an aspiring author at the time, I wanted to write a book about our experience. And Jackie and I talked a few months later about going back to Point Pleasant and asking Carolyn if we could interview her for a biography. She actually had lost her ex-husband and her son when the Silver Bridge collapsed on December 15th, 1967. The day after that I mentioned that to Jackie, Carolyn had a heart attack and the next day she passed away. So I would say the entire, I mean, that first experience that the two of us had going out there meeting Carolyn, that was my most profound experience of there. Jackie, what about yours? Um, probably that. The, the, just going there the first time, seeing the Memorial Silver Bridge the first time, crossing the Ohio River and the Canal River and the energy that is there. There's like a I don't know how to describe it, but there's like this underlying energy that you can just feel move you. Um, it's not ominous. It's it's like Amanda said, it's not like this, ooh, Mothman kind of thing. It's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's, the, you know, up and down the Ohio Valley, there's a lot of energy. So um, Possibly it's the river, possibly it's the legends. Um, It was the, I didn't realize this, but the Revolutionary War first battle was fought there. Um, I didn't either. I didn't know about that either. I just found out that actually I've heard about that today. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of, a, a lot of American history right in that little town. And also, I guess the thing that probably the most profound thing was, when I was at the point um, where the rivers can merge, um, 
they said that the town of Point Pleasant was named Pleasant Point because George Washington stood at that point and looked out over the rivers and said, isn't this a Pleasant Point? So that's the original name of the town. And they eventually got switched around to Point Pleasant. And I wanted to catch myself, you know, like I said, you know, correct things. I, did. I said, JC, I meant Jackie. You no, know, that's I, fine. I, no, 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 no. I, that's what I said. I want to, I want to correct these things. Like I said, I, this, when I said that, I'm like going, oh, I did butcher that. I'm like going, so I apologize, everybody. It's Jackie, not JC. Don't listen to me. I'm just, I'm just, I, yeah. So I, no, that's one of those things that's awesome. It's like, I'm, about the shows, I'm not too above humbling myself upon with the audience, you know, saying it's like, oops, I screwed up. So, no, I, that's, it was funny, just like you said, when you brought up that battle, I had no idea that a Revolutionary War battle, you know, that there was a one that was there. I mean, I know that the skirmishes all over, but just that there'd been one there. And it also, you know, had you know, a real tie to the local, you know, tri tribal nation mm -hmm. that was, you know, in that area. And I didn't, I, it was, and how synchronous is that for the fact that, you know, I talk about some with that to this morning with somebody and here we are bringing it up and I'm like, I had no, I wouldn't have had any idea until, until today. So that's, yeah. that is really cool. Well, the, whole the whole thing is cool. When we literally were driving down main street, um, we saw, this is the first time Bill and I went, we saw a car with plates on it that said cornstalk. We're like, cornstalk? <laughs> it was right outside of Carolyn's restaurant. So we went inside and we met a seventh descendant of Chief Cornstalk in the restaurant. So that was pretty cool too. We had, we've had a lot of really, really neat experiences out there, but we've made a ton of friends. That's well, and, and for those of uh, us that might not be familiar with what the significance of the name cornstalk means, Chief Cornstalk back in 1774 was killed by settlers in a, in a skirmish, basically. And legend has it, and this is a pretty far stretch of a legend. Um, in fact, our friend and gentleman that we interviewed uh, a couple of months ago for our project, Denny Bellamy, who you might be familiar with, had told us, look, I got the documents to prove that this isn't really a curse. It didn't really happen. But legend has it that Chief Cornstalk when he was murdered, cursed the land for 200 years. And that might very well be some of the impetus for why Mothman arrived. Now, I don't hmm. necessarily buy that. I don't really subscribe to that, but it's part of the whole Mothman story. And so it's, it's, it's interesting. Well, when I heard that story, I too, I was just like, you know, how do you get the name corns, you know, chief cornstalk? I mean, it's like, did you draw the short straw, you know, type, you know, type thing. It's like everybody else gets like chief Eagle, you know, chief, you know, brave bear, you get all these days. It's like your chief cornstalk. I was like, I'm like, ah, oh. I, I just, it's like, how do you come up with, come up with that one? But then it's, you know, somebody tells the story. It's like, okay, it sounds a lot cooler now. Cause just on the thing, if you just write down chief cornstalk, you're like, that just doesn't seem that impressive. That just seems like people just didn't really, you know, they just kind of gave up. They're just looking around like, ah, let's, let's just call them that. Well, of course yeah. that name is a Americanization of, you know, his actual name. Yeah. Which the, the Shawnee, uh, word for it, his Shawnee name escapes me at the moment, but you know, the settlers translated into, oh, yeah, you're uh, that chief cornstalk guy. Okay, it sounds, it sounds about right where we just short it to some, something just simple. It's like, oh, yeah, you're that you're that guy that drives around. Oh, yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, he <laughs> blame it on yeah. And he wasn't anything to be trifled with because he's yeah. six foot six or something, he was mm -hmm. a very tall, strong warrior 
Yeah, I just see, that's what I just see the descriptions. He's like, you think there would be something more epic? Like it comes in, and that's as you're going through there, and then you read the story. It's like, as you see, you get these things. I'm like, okay, that makes so much, you know, makes more sense. But just yeah, if you just read it on paper, you're just like, God, that just seems like such a weird name to be, you know, to go with. But you know, it's like, you know, hey, everybody, I'm not mocking it. <laughs> no curses. Well, Kitagwa sounds a little bit more mm-hmm. profound. Yeah, but I mean, what does that mean? I guess it means cornstalk, and in our language, that's what it equates to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it's now you were um, you've got something coming up uh, December seventh. Yeah, actually, yeah, um, be just airing. a little cameo, really more than anything else. So Seth Breedlove uh, of Small Town Monsters contacted me a few months ago. I think it was back in May or June, uh, because uh, the three of us have been a little bit involved with the. Chicago Mothman phenomenon, as it as it's been called, and so Jackie, Amanda, and I were introduced to each other through our association with a MUFON group and an investigator, and actually the the chief state director of Illinois for MUFON, Sam Maranto. He kind of brought us together, and I, I had a huge fascination. Jackie had a huge fascination with the Mothman phenomenon from Point Pleasant. Well, then we heard these things were going on in the Chicagoland area as well. And so we kind of joined forces with Sam. Sam introduced us to Amanda. That's how the three of us got connected. And through that association, Sam had been contacted by Seth to to be part of the Lake Michigan Mothman release, which is coming out on the trail of Lake Lake Michigan Mothman. is going to be released on December 7th. They contacted me and wanted me to, to do a video shoot for that, too. So I've been kind of on the periphery of the project that Sam's been working on and Amanda's been a part of too. And I've been more than a little skeptical about what's been reported there. And so they pulled me in to kind of take a, the psychological perspective of, you know, how this might be going on. How does this compare to what's been recorded and become legendary in Point Pleasant? And so I've got about a minute and a half cameo in, in Lake Michigan Mothman that's coming out in a couple of weeks. That well, and it was kind of you know when we were talking, you know, I teased it in the beginning too. So there's there seems to be a couple camps on when it comes to the Chicago Mothman. There seems to be the camp that is this is an in fact you know is in fact a thing you know concrete this is a thing, and then there's the other one that seems to be leaning more to the side that this is more of a copycat that this is more of. So, you know, that this is something that's may not be, but it's, it's kind of just being, you know, kind of shoehorned into that category. So I, uh, you know, obviously it seems like you guys are in the, this is a, you know, this is a thing, you know, camp, but I mean, I could be wrong. Like I said, correct me if I'm wrong on that one. Mm, well, not necessarily in the, this is a thing thing. I, I'm rather skeptical about the reports. Yeah. Um, that's. And, and Jackie and Amanda are probably a little bit closer to that than I am. I think I've picked up on enough inconsistencies uh, in reports and just through various research that's been done that I'm having a, a real struggle believing it. But I'd like to hear what they think as well. Yeah, if we were to be put in a camp, if we had to go to one camp or the other, we would be mm-hmm. in the, this is not, this is this not, is a, not a, I would think. Um, of course, I, I you know, we, I'm, I'm sure we all have our, our variations. Uh, oh, yeah. About that, but okay for me <laughs> i mean it's not a thing i mean yes there are reports popping up online 
and I'm saying that with big air quotes. Um, but uh, there, there's also red flags that come up when you read those. So for me personally, I like uh, Bill said, I had been working with Sam, uh, the state director on some of this stuff quite a bit. And I, I wanted to believe it. I was excited. I was excited. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go out there and find them. But the more I looked into it, just the, mm, the less likely it was, I think. I mean, it's a, it's a hard thing to just like drop, you know, just like, you know, boil it down to the one thing. What is your biggest, um, I would say like either red flag or question that the three of you have, you know, have come at? I mean, it could be the same thing. Each one of you may have a different thing that you clued on, but what is it about that? This one, it just seems like this, this could be something, but I don't think it's Mothman. I would say that um, people are definitely, some people are definitely seeing something, some type of a big winged creature. Um, I don't believe it's a Mothman. I, I think the biggest thing are the reports that are coming in, where they're going to, and the short stories these reports are, rather than just being a point-to-point -point report like typical reports are they're full of all kinds of fluff and stuff that are not necessary in any type of reporting when it's serious. Yeah. That's, Amanda, Bill, what do you guys think? Well, I, I am a field investigator for MUFON. Um, and so I do get reports straight from the public about things that they've seen. Uh, and I interview them you know, I, I contact that person and interview them and write my report based on that. So I know what a normal report would look like. Um, I kind of know the process. And uh, with these, some of these Mothman reports, of course, you know, we can't say all of them, but many of them, it just doesn't look like a, a report that you would get. It's like Jackie said, it's very fluffy. There's, there's stage directions and, <laughs> and, and set design. And yeah, you don't get that in a, in a normal report. Um, I know Sam has done some research into IP addresses and that's, that's definitely weighed into my opinion. Uh, of these reports. Like, how do you have a woman downtown Chicago and a young man in the suburbs and another person in some other suburb all saying, all with these very dramatic stories, all coming from the same IP address? And I think yeah. on top of that, too, yeah, that's good. I don't mean to cut you off, Greg. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, I'm just agreeing. I go, yeah, that does seem a little suspicious. You know, that, like I said that's 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 a huge red flag right there. So I, I've spent probably the last 16 to 17 years getting my hands on everything associated with the traditional Mothman phenomenon as it was based in Point Pleasant. And we've gotten connected to some authors and done a lot of digging into a lot of different literature that's been published about Mothman, so on and so forth. But one of the things that we were able to find out is that in um, in a publication of a relatively infamous photograph 
of a Native American, uh, I think 63rd and Pulaski, if, if I got that right, in yeah. Chicago, there is a Native American statue that in the background, the, I think the upper left-hand corner, if I remember correctly, there is a picture that's been alleged to be Mothman. There were a couple different authors have utilized this picture and stood behind this, calling this the nexus of the Chicagoland Mothman flap. So did a little bit of back research, got connected to a gentleman by the name of Andy Colvin, who has published all kinds of books on the topic, written all kinds of stuff on the topic, found out that he was on Coast to Coast AM the same day for his one publication that he did about Mothman. He's the most voluminous publisher and writer on the topic in history after he did wow. his his appearance on coast to coast am that very next day this picture was snapped and they alleged that this was the mothman now sam maranto has done some significant research to kind of back engineer that photograph and has determined through doctoral level research that this is a picture of a gala kite definitively it is a kite and so that's where the story kind of started in 2011 now on top of that, in 2017, this is coming up on the 50th anniversary of the Silver Bridge collapse. So during the time leading up to within the next six months, the bulk of the cases started coming out where all these different copycat type reports, I call them copycat. I, I can't say definitively that they are, but they, they appear to be fictitious. They appear to be really elaborated on, not in the way that one would typically see a report come in really from any source. And all these things are put together, and the, the main backdrop, the one that gets me, is that the witnesses who saw this saw this figure silhouetted against the moonlit sky. That, that statement, silhouetted against the moonlit sky, is spoken to three to four times. It comes up over and over and over again. It just, it just seems contrived. I mean, the 50th yeah. anniversary, all this stuff is going on. Come on, guys, you're selling books. It looks yep. to me like that's what's going on here. No, I, I would I would agree with that too because it just it sounds, especially when you're getting, what Amanda said, you know, coast to coast, and a, a little side note, I'm still a little I'm still a little salty that you know the or Oregon chapter over there of you know, didn't include me in some of the research things, I, I tried to get on with that and I said I never heard back from them so like I said I'm still a little salty so you know that's you know a little sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> no. contact with the Oregon chapter I I'd, I'd love yeah. to have yeah no it's, it's, it's I'll have yeah. to get on with the Florida chapter yeah it does it's the uh, so like those when those things like see reports it's like it's really common when you talk to somebody the likelihood that they're going to use eloquent language you know some artistic thing you know that's that's very rarely rarely I mean We've all seen the viral video, you know, lady comes out, it's like, law, Jesus, it's a fire. I mean, that, that's the kind of reports that you get. You don't get these things. And it was at that point when I felt this cold air breathe upon my neck and I saw it silhouetted across the sky as it glided across. It doesn't come out that way. You're like, I was standing there eating a taco and then all of a sudden I looked up and here came this flash thing. And I just, I was like, oh, you know, it, it just, those are the kind of conversations you have it is so yeah as you said that they've been silhouetted in front of the moon i'm like yeah no i i, I wouldn't buy that maybe yeah. one you're gonna get you're gonna get the one person but yeah for everybody to give the same accounting it's like yeah that seems like there's a little bit of a connection and the other thing is uh, when reports come in most of the time they want to talk to someone the submitters mm -hmm. want 
to be contacted and they want to tell their story. Um, but with a lot of these uh, Mothman stories, you know, the, the witness doesn't want to be contacted. By no means contact me. Um, I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to, I don't want any notoriety. I just don't talk to me. Just here it is. This is all you get. Yeah. And, and okay. Yes. One, uh, one or two witnesses, I'm sure, uh, would say that, but every, the majority of them, that's weird. That's weird. Well, and they're contacting three specific websites and they want to remain anonymous with those three websites. They, they'll talk to them, but they don't want anybody else questioning them about any of it. So if anybody really wanted to get down to what's really going on, you can't because the information is being withheld from everyone. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's for me, that that's also another thing that just seems really, really bizarre. I mean, cause most of the cases like you see coming from West Virginia, you know, people still, they've got accounts, but they're not, they're not, standoffish you know they're not like no i don't want you to contact me i mean they'll, they'll explain it to you i mean a lot of them don't want to be on camera don't want to you know which is like normal it's like because it's just that sh shy thing you don't want to you don't want everybody thinking you're that crazy person that saw mothman but you're still willing to talk and tell your story and, that and what i find craig interesting about that too is you bring up point pleasant and in 1967 which was a far more conservative time these people were able to tell who they were and there were still some that were what john keel would call silent contactees people who didn't want their information out there but today 2017 through 2021 everybody has a digital footprint people are throwing things out on facebook on twitter on whatever media possible and there's i mean i just can't believe that all these different alleged witnesses don't want their information out there when people are posting what they had for breakfast fights that they oh, have yeah. with the neighbors. You know what I mean? I mean, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't. How, how has not a Mothman picture gone viral? Yeah. I mean, seriously. A, you'd be on TikTok. You know, you'd have something on there. Point Pleasant had 6,000 people back in 1966, 67. They had over 100 documented reports of Mothman in 13 months. And this has been going on since 2011 in Chicago and, and the surrounding area. And there's not one picture of a Mothman and not too many people that are actually come forward and say, Hey, I saw it. Yeah. I, I mean, I know we can all come to agreement that it's not these entitled jerks, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, that's, as, as we refer to them down here in Florida, entitled jerks, they know they're protected and they, they don't care. They just make you wait as they're going by. But yeah, it's, it's one of those, you see these things like they put, it's like, I, I'm like, I see the reports. I'm like, no, that, that, that was one of the worst explanations of what a mothman could ever be. Is like, it's a sandhill crane that you saw. It's like, no, yeah, it's, it's like if anybody's seen them take off, they don't they don't fly off quickly like the reports. I mean, these things do the slow slap. <laughs> just they just they they go so slow. Yeah, is so living down here, it's like I got firsthand knowledge. I'm like, oh yeah, no, that's there's no way somebody can mistake that a sandhill crane for a Mothman. Yeah, you know, you see the you see the reports in just the chat. I mean, I think some of those just. Same way with the Chicago one. This this seems to me a little bit like back in the 50s when you had a lot of people that when the hysteria was starting to pick up about little green men, you know, aliens, 
where you get the people that would come th- forward with, this is what I saw, you know, and I saw, and they're coming and you can, you could almost to T just have a little template there and you knew exactly which points they were going to bring up at some point that they saw that they did this. It had this, it had this. And you're like, you could almost pinpoint it back to the news articles that they had read previously. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's what it was seeming like. And that's where I wanted to get you guys you know, set the, what side you're on. I mean, I, I don't, I don't honestly, I don't think there's a really, I don't think it's bad if you believe them. I don't think it's, but it's one of those, I've always been the thing. It's like, I always like to get down to, if I can get rid of the noise, what's usually left over, there might be something there. If you can just get rid of just all the stuff and it's, and it really seems like that's where you three are coming at, that you're really trying to get to the point of, you know, it's like where these things, and if you can point out these inconsistencies, like, you know, they all didn't go to a Starbucks coffee shop and I'll use the same computer, you know, some internet cafe to do the same. You know, if it's all, they say that they're in different parts of the town and they, they did the reports. I'm like, yeah, but are you guys sharing the same laptop? Because it's all coming from the same location. You know, yeah. That, going, yeah. Into, going into this, I was not looking to be a debunker by any mm-hmm. means. And I'm still not, still not. Uh, my goal is not to be a debunker at all. Um, but when you, you got to look at the information in an unbiased manner and this is where I've ended up. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, I think even in that, I think that's gotten such a bad rap with a lot of people, but because I think there are some people that go about this in a really condescending, you know, just nasty way, you know, of, you know, basically doing the, you're an idiot, you're an idiot. I can't believe and I think that gives gives the legitimate approach people such a bad thing because it's it's when I call myself a skeptical believer because I have the sign you know I have it just right behind me you know I want to believe poster I mean I just I point those out all the time it is just I have all the stuff in here I believe in these creatures it's just one of those things it's just I can't myself I can't just on face value just go you know. Okay, I believe you know if you if you three of you walked you know told me right now we saw Mothman I believe you, but if you guys say I see him every night, you know, and he's out in my backyard, you know, and I and this is what I you know and you know he's eating out of this he's doing all these things at some point I have to have something else from you. It's like okay, what is he eating? You know, what is they leaving behind? What are the you know footprints? You know, feathers? I mean, something you've got to yeah. have something by now. See it? Yeah. Yeah. Take a picture for God's yes, sake. And that's, that's my thing. It's like at some point there has to be something else. Just scientifically, something has to have happened. Branches have to have broken. Something to show, you know, interaction. It can't just materialize. Nothing occurs, dematerializes, and we just have, you know, this wonderful story to tell. There has to be something physical. Something has to be, you know, changed. You know, and that that's where... I like talking with people like yourself because I feel like, you know, kind of the kindred spirit in a way. It's like that there's a lot of people that are kind of coming at it from, you know, from all different directions, but they kind of have the same goal in mind. It's like, let's, let's find the truth and you don't have to mock. You don't have to belittle people in the process, but you can also say, yeah, no, go ahead. I think, I think Craig, and that's, you know, when I get kind of fired up when talking about this, but ultimately there does seem to be something mysterious worth investigating. 
I mean, there really does. I mean, within Chicago, certainly at Point Pleasant, there are other spots as well, too. And I think being a skeptical believer is probably pretty close to up the way that I'm cut as well, too. I think that where the three of us are coming from is from an angle of let's just really, really figure some stuff out. Let's get down to brass tacks. Let's look at this. Let's look at that. Let's, yep. and let's, let's compare notes. And I think that that's the part that we find the most challenging about the entire Chicagoland type phenomenon is that the narrative seems controlled by a couple of different authors. And there has been a glove cast down, not necessarily by the folks who are on the skeptical side, but who the ones who are making the money. And it's been thrown, yeah. not necessarily in our direction, us personally, but it's been thrown close enough to us that makes it, it makes it one of those things where it's a little challenging not to react, but still I think we don't really want to react because we want to be objective and approach things from a, from a reasonable standpoint and, and hope that there is something neat that we can all figure out. Yeah, I, I think so too. Cause it's, it's one of those, like the reports, you know, cause there's not just these main ones. There is people say that they see something large in the sky and you know, I mean, we could we could infer, you know, because there's always been the reports, you know, from back, you know, native, you know, Thunderbirds. You know, there's always been something in the sky, you know, large. What what could it be? And that's the type of thing is and that's what's the cool part of the research is trying to find these accounts and trying to piece together where this is and follow this trail. You know, and I, it seems like the three of you are like you're setting aside you know, just all of the, you know, back and forth, you know, infight. I mean, you're just like, no, I don't care about that. You know, it's, mm -hmm. you know, just we're looking for the information. Yeah. And, and a lot of people who live in the Chicago area don't necessarily realize that we do have big birds here. Mm -hmm. uh, because we're in a big city, we have herons, blue herons. They're huge. Mm -hmm. We have sandhill cranes. Uh, we have, Turkey vultures. Uh, some of the reports that I've seen, they pretty much describe a turkey vulture, the shape of the wings, the fact that it doesn't flap and it maneuvers, um, the, the wingspan. But a lot of people just don't look up <laughs> or they don't, they don't uh, know, realize that those are around here because uh, it's so urban, but they absolutely are here. And I, I, do you think uh, maybe a couple of the reports, somebody genuinely did see a large bird like that and just didn't know what it was. And so they, I, they jumped him off, man. And I'll get kind of um, your guys' take on this too, because I'm, I'm one of the big things, because there seems to be like this massive uptick in reports and sightings lately. And I honestly think it had to do with the name that should not be named you know, on internet, you know, C-19, you know, that, you know, that, that caused so many people to actually spend, because you're not doing the rat racing, you're not racing to the soccer match, you're not racing to work, you know, more people, instead of looking down at the phones and stuff, they actually took time to look out and they're like, oh my God, what's that in the sky? Mm -hmm. and they actually saw something. And it's like you said, it could be people in Chicago that were, you know, normally they've been doing something, but they just happened to look up and they actually saw something. I've never seen a bird that big before. And here's a report. And that's what I like. It's like you said, this this sighting resembles, you know, possibly what a turkey vulture is. Well, have you, you know? ever seen a bald eagle? I mean, those yeah. things are huge. And 
Yep. I mean, there were sightings in Rockford and Roscoe. I mean, places outside of Chicago in the suburbs, far west of Chicago. And you can see an eagle flying, you know, any given day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that's yeah, and that's for me. That's that's one of those things too. Is is if you can, if you can isolate, it doesn't mean that that person didn't see something. It's just you were able to identify, you know, actually identify it, which is cool, you know, because that, and that's the thing. And that's like I said you don't have to, you don't have to call somebody crazy. You don't have to say, you know, you're an idiot for reporting this. And that's why I think there's so many people that are afraid to say something because they're worried people are going to one make fun of them, do something. Where I think that's the thing. People need to be believed when they say it. And then that's when the people like yourselves, that's when the research begins. Yeah. Personally, I would rather people, yes, it, report mm -hmm. big words. If you think yeah. you have something, report it. And then let people like us uh, sort through it. Um, yeah. I would rather have uh, mundane things reported than... Uh, ex exquisite things not. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's one of the things too. It's just the more the more information you can get, the more you can actually start to pin. Because it's like on the trail of something. It's just as you see it, it's, it's like pings. You're getting closer to where this one is this one. And then by the time you get to it, you're like, you can actually start to weed out and actually see patterns that actually fit what you're looking for. And that's, that's where it's benefit. Like, I do know one of those things like when you get like UFO reportings, you can you can basically where you're seeing the reports, you can almost plot the flight path of the UFO based off the different reports. But if you only get one person that shows up, you can't plot a you can't plot a path. You just have the little old rancher that was out, you know, with cows and saw something zip by. Well, that you got one point of reference. And that's okay. it. And that's that's where I, I incur always encourage people. It's like if you see something, say something. You know, there's, you know, that using a government tagline there, you know, see something, say something, you know, type thing. but it's just, it's you know, the same way in our thing. If you see it, you know, just talk about it. Let people know, call, call MUFON, call the phenomenology research partners, you know, go to their website, you know, it's like I said, drop, drop them information. You know, it's like, we've seen this, you know, is this something here? You know, let, let the experts, let the ones that do this and thing, you know, talk you through it, you know, don't, don't just rely on, you know, my Google Wikipedia search, mm. you know, to tell me what I found because, you know, it's like you may have some, you may have the piece that you guys have been looking for, but to me, it's just, you know, like WebMD, I've discovered that, you know, I've got all these miss, you know, thank you. Just, you go on there and you figure out, you're like, ah, it's just a bird, but it might've been the piece that you guys have been looking for. Mm -hmm. And so other than what, kind of back on your business that you guys are going, what do you guys have coming up um, here in the near future that you get is like something you think big or you guys looking looking to do any well we're currently doing a study on the um post-traumatic growth of the silver bridge disaster mm -hmm. from uh point pleasant so we're working at that right now um we have one more interview uh to do that's with jeff wamsley and after that um bill why don't you go ahead and tell him about that you're doing sure that part sure. of it and so to kind of back up again to 2016 when Jackie and I had talked and I really wanted to interview Carolyn Harris about the loss that she suffered and how, you know, things, how her life had changed. 
the other thing that was going on in my life at that point in time was I was working towards my PhD in psychology. And so all along, I wanted to couple my research interests with my interest in Point Pleasant and the Mothman. I wasn't quite sure how to do that, but earlier this year, I, I wrapped up the doctorate and was done with that, thankfully. Uh, now, my wife and I actually spent some time together, but we, we decided over the course of the next few months, the three of us kind of spitballed ideas for what we wanted to do in terms of a study and how it could relate to our interests. So what we came up with was what are the effects of post-traumatic post growth or the dimensions of post-traumatic growth as they result to the, the folks who experienced the Silver Bridge collapse? That was one research question. The second research question was very similar. What are the dimensions of post-traumatic growth as they manifested in individuals who experienced some of the paranormal phenomena in the Ohio River Valley at the same time? So basically during the Mothman flap. So what we did at that point was to contact Jeff. We'd be, we'd be built a front. We started building a friendship with Jeff five years ago. We get together with him every year now. But as, as this has kind of went along, we got a hold of Jeff. We got a hold of Steve Ward. We got a hold of Andy Colvin. We asked them who they thought would be good people to participate in the study. Andy has graciously stepped forward. We interviewed him uh, and then we worked through a lady by the name of Beth Surgent, who is the newspaper publisher for the Point Pleasant Register and the Gallipolis uh, equivalent of the Point Pleasant Register. So one other newspaper in that area as well. So she helped us. She put together a really beautiful advertisement for us on the front page of those newspapers prior to our last, not our last trip, but the trip that we took in late June, early July of this year. And she helped us to line up three other witnesses so we were able to go conduct interviews uh, with these witnesses, not necessarily witnesses of Mothman per se, but witnesses of the bridge collapse and the devastation that it wreaked. And some of them actually experienced some paranormal phenomena as well too. So long story short, at this point we've conducted, I think eight interviews. And so what we've done with those interviews is Amanda has transcribed most of them. Jackie did a little bit of transcribing also. And then they forwarded those documents to me and I have a software which helps me to be able to go through a process of sorting through that data to determine common themes so that we can come up with the subject material for a psychological study about the effects of post-traumatic growth that was experienced in the Ohio River Valley as a result of the bridge collapse and the paranormal phenomena. That study is going to be embedded into a book. We were actually asked to speak and to present at each of the last two Mothman festivals. Three. Uh, Jeff and it, the last three Mothman <laughs> festivals. But the last two, we were both canceled, so we're I know. still on the docket for next year. But the book should be out by that point in time as well. I'm hoping. What um, are you able to talk about? What book that is? I mean, is or is that still kind of? Like... Well, uh, we have a title for it, Amanda. It was your baby. What was the title? Oh, we were we were kind of picking parts of all three of our ideas and putting them together. But uh, mine was the, the other side of the bridge. And there'd be a subtitle that went with that, too, that's going to be along yeah. the lines of the post-traumatic growth that was experienced due to the events of 1967 or something along those lines. We have to kind of tighten that up a little bit, it's being that we're still not quite done with the interviews. The data hasn't all presented itself yet, but I think that the other side of the bridge and then a subtitle below that that speaks the to lived experience. Growth. That's what it was. It was called. It was the lived experience. 19, that, that's 19, it. Nineteen sixty-seven. So, uh, are 
are you guys going through a publisher publisher or is it going to be self-published? What do you, um, yeah, we haven't entirely arrived upon a way to do okay. that yet. We've got a couple of ideas and we can certainly let you know more about that in about three months. Okay. Per I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead. I'm trying no, to you're fine. Yeah. No, it's a great we wish we were there. Yeah. I'm trying to get to the end of the slideshow here and you guys are like, wait, slow burn, <laughs> let it build. <laughs> Yeah, oh my god yeah, yeah settle down craig settle down all right yeah so yeah let me know I, that, that sounds fascinating because that's one of those i'm still i'm still up in air on whether or not i believe the mothman was a harbinger or an observer mm -hmm. through the things because i i'm kind of i'm one i think through my times you know through the x-files through fringe i see it more of like an observer creature you know, than I do like an actual, if you see him, you know, doom is approaching, you know, type thing like this is, you know, cause you've you got that one, like he shows up and then all of a sudden the bridge collapses. You know, I, I think it's more of like the, like the fringe, you got the, the albino guys with the hats just coming in, you know, there's just, this is a moment that's getting ready to happen. And, you know, they're, you know, there to observe. And so I, I said, I'm not, no, there's, there's so many different camps, you know, is it a, is it a is it one of those that's from another dimension that pops in, you know, from time to time? I I don't know, but it's it's like it's definitely something that those between those interviews and what you guys come at is that, that sounds really fascinating, like something that would be a real fun read. What's been really cool about the interviews and some of the folks that have stepped forward to participate? Uh, one of them uh, was a gentleman by the name of Jimmy Wedge. And Jimmy was somebody that we, I don't know that we ever could have picked a better individual to come forward and to be interviewed because he was the basketball coach of the Point Pleasant boys team. And he was actually coaching his very first game as head coach, did not know his dad was back in town. His dad traveled, he was on the road, but dad came back to surprise him for his very first game, went to go pick up mom, went to dinner, came back across the bridge, both of them that passed away from the bridge and Jimmy had not given an interview for many, many, many years, but he was one of the ones that when he saw the ad in the point pleasant register, he called me and said, I'd like to do this. We didn't know who he was, but Denny Bellamy, Jeff Wamsley, anybody who's really close to the whole epicenter of the Mothman thing in point pleasant said, you got the man. If you were going to try to select somebody, you absolutely got the man. And I mean, I was nervous going into that interview because it was wow. so profound. I mean, the gentleman lost both of his parents. I mean, how much more serious could that be? But it was just amazing. It, it, but the other thing that was neat, I thought, about the people that we interviewed, some experienced paranormal stuff, some did not. But everybody's angle was just a little bit different. And I think that that's what makes their testimony so important. And that's why when we talk about things like the alleged Chicago Mothman thing there, I mean, I don't want to give the impression that we discount out of hand what these people might be experiencing because it could be entirely different than what we're thinking it is um, mm -hmm. it's important for people to talk about this stuff it's just fascinating to get the perspectives of all these different folks yeah no i i, I as you're describing his saying i mean it that fits the title you know like which like i'll go with working title of the book right now for is you know with like the post-traumatic you know because here's i mean what's more traumatic than losing both your parents to an event and then having stories to talk, talk about it. Cause that, that's, that's like you said, that's compelling in it in itself, just getting that person's perspective on how did this affect you to think? Cause you and know, being every, able 
yeah. being able to distill the stuff that they gained. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, we know people lost loved ones. They lost their economy there for a long time. All kinds of terrible things came, but we've pulled up so much good information, too, about how the community banded together, how the community now has grown as a result of the phenomenon of the Mothman. All these neat things that have happened, people's spiritual development. I mean, you name it, the different post-traumatic dimensions that are coming out of this are, are off the charts. It's been it's been really an honor to be a part of this thing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in a few of the shows that we've talked about, that's one of the things that's so fascinating. It's, you know, it's like I talk to people. It's like regardless of whether or not you believe there's a black creature with glowing red eyes, you know, or whatever, it just, you know, type thing. How amazing is this for a community that they not only have they embraced it, it's not, it's not the, the cheesy, you know, drive-in thing where just everything is just these horrible cheap souvenirs. They've actually made a thing about it just to where as a community, it's like come and come experience the community and everybody I've talked to, like you said, when going to the diner and so everybody that's been there has said that the people in the area is just amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it makes me want to go see it that the, they're just like, when you go here, I mean, it lives up to its name, you know, the pleasant, you know, point. They're pleasant. so I mean, welcoming. They're just yeah. the kindest people you'd ever meet. And they're so patient. I mean, you can tell that people are more important to them than anything else is. And if you go, go in there and just want to have a conversation and get to know these folks, they will spend all kinds of time with you. We got one guy we interviewed, Mark Griffith, who has been a friend of ours now for five and a half years since the very first time we met him. I mean, we met him in Carolyn's diner and he offered to participate in our study as well too. But just an example of just the kindness and the outgoingness and the friendliness of the people at Point Pleasant. It's, it's really pretty tremendous. Yeah, it was wow. hard getting through some of these interviews, honestly, because these people are so sweet and genuine and they're telling us the stuff that was really, it's, really hard to hear so i can't imagine what it was like for them going through it yeah, uh, I, and i'm just really honored that they they took the time to sit down with us and tell us their stories uh, it was very emotional i think for all of us there was a few women well men too but a few women for sure that were um in their senior year in high school and and other ones when they were younger in school, but they said, you know, that you just went back to school. There wasn't anyone to talk to. We didn't have counselors then. We just had to band together, kind of go with whatever. There were so many funerals all at Christmas time, and there was a couple teachers that passed away on the bridge, and there was a kid in one of the classes of, I think, um, Denny or Jeff, Jeff's Den- age, um, that her body was never found and there wow. was just an empty chair for the rest of the school year. I mean, it's, yeah, that's... it's really touching. It's really touching. And, and it's very important for people to remember that the people of Point Pleasant, regardless of Mothman still lost a lot. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it's now. Do they have, um, you know, being not that do they have like a remembrance i mean do they do they honor it like at that time every year i mean is it something like as a community they still do that or is that just something where 
you know, over time it's become more like there's still something that signifies it, but it's not like an event. I mean, that's they, just not being they familiar. do They do do it. They, they read all of the um, people that perished, their, all their names on December 15th every year. And last year the community didn't do it because of the virus. But mm -hmm. um, Brittany Sayer, she's just, just one of the most sweetest young ladies that I think I know. And um, her mom, Susan, was interviewed. And she said that Brittany just said, you know, mom, it's not right. Will you please film me so I can do it live on Facebook? And she read all of the names nice. um, out by the memorial last December. So yeah. it's, it still continues. Yeah, I, I, I say that. It's like we're, that's that's on the list. I'm making a trip. I'm going to have to take at least two weeks off from work, and I'm just hanging out to make a tour just to go see it. Because I've got to go to Ohio. I've got to, you know, got, got, I've just said I have to go West Virginia. If I don't see, stop, see Point Pleasant and go see Mark Eddy, you know, it's just, it's like pretty much, you know, just going to have to hide in shame. You know, it's like if I don't, you know, I've got to, I got to get this, you know, this things done, get these things checked off. Mark's been get... blowing up the screen here all night long. Yep. There. Yeah, it's, I, it's one of those things. He, he's been, you know, amazing, you know, help for us. And um, but while while I say what we're talking about it too, it's just it's like once again, like your website, phenomenologyresearchpartners.com too. You guys also have your merchandise shop, you know, for people to go and support you guys for this as well. Because I'm looking at a few things like your teach, you know, I can bring this on screen here. For the people that are watching or not just listening, you can actually see it. There's a oh, somebody's pictures right there in the front there. Yeah, so there's there's some of the items right there. Lovely items. Wow, look at that. Yeah, so the way. Yeah, so you just click. Yeah, Teespring. You know, it's we go. Yeah, we go and yeah, Mark. Yeah, come on up. I say I know. I want it's trust me. It's it's a matter. It's not a matter of desire. It's a matter of logistics is, you know, getting up there. But I'll have an excuse. My mom and mom and stepdad just moved to Tennessee. Whereabouts? So, uh, just Crossville. I don't know just, where that's at. It's real, cl um, it's real close to the border with Kentucky, um, right just mm -hmm. to the northeast of Nashville, I believe. Right up near the well, border. Yeah. You'll have to let us know when you get to Point Pleasant or when you're en route, and who knows, maybe we'll come out there and meet you. Yeah, that would that would be fantastic. Like I said, we'll just just have to have a just a big meet and greet at the diner. And just have you know, just have a real good you know time talking with everybody in person because that's yeah. That's, but as as we're wrapping up here, we're gonna do we're gonna do the all right. Who? What is? What is your favorite thing to research? I, I'm, I'm going to go with Amanda. Possibly might have something to do with a UFO. Possibly, not just not only because it's in her bio, but because of who she's involved with. Possibly, that's that's my that's my Karnak. You know, oh, why do I have to go first? Um, well, my favorite thing you know, to research. Hmm, probably just the nature of consciousness and physical versus. Non-physical. No, that's that's cool. Yeah, no, I, I, there's no wrong answer here. That, as I said, that, there's no right or wrong answer. Yeah, I think there's there's a pretty big separation there, and it just fascinates me. Um, yeah, 
And that I think that encompasses probably the cryptids and UFOs and pretty much everything you can think of. Are they just emanations of our normal consciousness or is it something else coming into our consciousness? Yeah, no, that's, that's, no, that's. <laughs> I'll let you me. know when I figure it out. I know. I'm right. If you guys see me looking down, it's like, I like, I like to write notes as I go through that. The thing. So, it's, like I said, if you ever, like, I always tell people that don't think I'm ignoring, you know, because like I said, usually by the time I'm done, like I said, I have pages, you know, stuff written. So it's like, so Jackie, what about you? Oh, I'm kind of where Amanda is. Anything strange, anything weird. Um, but I think my favorite thing is, uh, I guess, researching it by being in them is vortices. Um, I love the feeling that I have when I'm like right in a vortex. I absolutely love it. It's indescribable. <laughs> now, now um, kind of like, well, I'll sidebar on that one too is for where, how do you, um, what is the best way, like you would say you could explain to somebody like the feeling or how you know you're in one of those vortices i mean just and that's one of those you know because this is something where you know like i said if, if you need time to explain it that's fine no it's just it's just curious just like how how do you come about that for like just for the lay, layman's you know things like to do this the electrical energy the just the energy that is there um the feeling of being pulled up and out of yourself um just, I mean, almost, it's almost like a feeling like everything's surreal. Like you're not even really there. Like you're floating through life, which makes me wonder, um, like, like Amanda was saying, is it physical or is it spiritual? I mean, it, it makes you question everything. It makes you question everything when you're going through the experience. Yeah, it's, it sounds like you know, it's like almost like a transcendence, you know, thing when you when you go through these things. I do. You, do you find that it has anything tied to like a ley line? Because there's well, there's believers like the in the energy grids, you know, where it's just if something feels off. We had, uh, you know, we had somebody that talked about that where if, if something feels off, move it over like a foot. You know, it's to where it's like if you feel like feels off, like when you're sitting, like you're not getting sleep, move your bed, just, you know, move your bed over and you might, you know, that might be all it takes. Yeah, but I, I'm seriously the the last vortex that we were in, all three of us together, you would have had to move it miles. <laughs> yeah. Because you can feel the energy from it for miles. And it's, oh, wow. Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy literally to the point where we were doing um, a ghost box session on a zoom meeting with a couple of friends of ours. And um, I had on a blindfold and the headphones and seriously thought that somebody like somebody was on the front bumper and the back bumper, just rocking the heck out of the car. And I took off my blindfolds because I was like freaking out and the car was completely still. There was that much movement going on with me. Wow! Everything was still. That that's incredible, and it's in like for me, just where I'm. I'm just thinking, it's like how, like scientifically, how do you quantify something like that? You know, like through research. I mean, what do you do? I mean, because 
we all know that there's that phenomenon. Everybody's done that one where you feel, you know, you have like, you feel like you close your eyes or something and you feel like things are starting to spin. Mm-hmm. But you know, how do you guys have a, have you, have you found a way, do you know of a way that there is to start to actually start putting data points to this to where you can actually show something that this is in fact an actual physical, you know, occurrence and not just something that you're feeling internally, you know, just like your equilibrium. Um, it's, it, it has to be something other than that because Bill and Amanda were in the car. The car was totally still. And, um, our friends, well, there was three of them on the zoom meeting and they could all verify that they did not see them moving at all. And they didn't see me moving at all. So it had to been something like within my soul or something moving. Mm-hmm. I was told that, that spirits were fighting to get in. We had a psychic that was on zoom and she was like, basically saying stuff that was confirming everything that I was saying that was coming out of the spirit box. And um, she said that the spirits were fighting to try to get in. And that was like emotionally or physically felt physical to me, moving me. Well, as you're Um, describing it, I could see that where it just, you know, it's like as things are bouncing, like if they're trying to get in, I could see how that would be, you know, would give you that feeling of like you're being, like the ping pong, like you're getting p- bumped around as things are trying to slam in, you know, trying to get in. That's, that makes sense. And this, it's really fantastic, you know, how like an individual, you can have everybody in the same vehicle, but one person's having this experience in, you know, I'm assuming that the two of you didn't have anything similar. Well, I mean, the thing is I did experience the same thing just before Jackie, just before Jackie, I was uh, hooked up to the spirit box and blindfolded and, I remember I got so angry because I thought they were messing with me. <laughs> I kept pulled oh, wow. off and be like, guys, just chill, like hold still. I thought they were moving around and shaking the car. And so, cause we were in the car and they're like, Oh my God, what's wrong with her? <laughs> and so I just, I just gave up and I said, here, somebody else do this because I kept feeling the car shaking back and forth. Well, uh, she had an experience also. We did a, an investigation at a haunted studio. I'm not going to go into where it was, um, but it was in Ohio and Gallup Police, Ohio, across the river from Point Pleasant. And I was asking the questions and there was another person there asking the questions and Bill and Amanda both had headsets on with spirit boxes and blindfolds. And Amanda kept going like, who's moving my chair? Who's moving my chair? And nobody was moving her chair. Or it's like we had cameras on her and everything. And you can see literally her chair was not moving. Her chair wasn't even touching the chairs that were beside her, but she kept feeling like somebody was pushing her chair. Yeah. But then, so after I had the freak out in the car, and then Jackie does the session and she experiences the same thing. So I'm like, oh, okay, maybe there's something to this because I for sure was not shaking the car and neither was Bill. So it was it was weird, you know, me experiencing it and then watching it. And then the, in the reverse for Jackie, she watched it and then experienced it. Um, so still, do we have any measurable data that came from that? No, you still got to take our word for it. Well, exactly, no- exactly. Because I know, like, I I can't quote the study. Is that one? It's when they they tried to measure the soul. Mm. You know, where the guy died, and there there was like this. 
minuscule weight change. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, it's, a, it's so it's one of those, it's, you know, just in the head, you know, like all the ghost, you know, the ghost research equipment. Um, it is one of those things too, where it's just, I wonder if there's some test, if there's some way to test this thing. Cause it, there's like, cause you've got two different people that have had the same experience using the same device and the same thing. It's like, I, I've no, I don't know. I mean, is there, is there something that would be able to measure just the intensity to measure what goes, I mean, to show like if there's any, you know, like any interaction that you can't visually see, but you can actually tell like the machine starts picking it up. Well, if anybody out there listening or watching can invent something, <laughs> I, <Or> has. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think it's, I think with, I personally think with the technology that we have right now, it doesn't seem likely. I feel like we'd already be there by now. I think it's a whole different sort of device that we'd need. Like, what are we even measuring? I don't know. The yeah. military probably has it. Yeah, yeah. No. They probably do. Yeah, they're probably causing it. Yeah, yeah. They're the ones beaming it into, you know, yeah. <laughs> into it's like... Well, like I you. said, when you're in those areas, you feel untethered anyway. So if you're literally... If you're talking about the soul being a little bit a little less weighed down then that would make sense because if you're feeling untethered and you feel like you're floating up um out of your head bill said it through his third eye amanda and i feel like it's coming out the top of our heads um maybe there's something there that really can pull you up and out that i mean I mean, I, I, could go, I could go in so many directions with that because I was just talking to somebody about uh, sleep paralysis and visitations and abductions and everything. And maybe they're just abducting us through our souls and we're still laying in our beds at night. And yeah, you know, into we're actually leaving, but, you know, ast astral travel basically with alien or whatever, and then being slammed back down into our bodies. And I mean, I wake up feeling like I've been slammed back into bed or like I'm falling and, you know, so there's all this stuff too. It's like, there's, there's too much. There's too much. <laughs> and what, what Jackie's referring to there, Craig, is when we were doing that, that ghost box session with our friends over zoom with the psychic who was there also, mm -hmm. we had also done another session a few months before that in the same area. And this is a different location in West Virginia, but the three of us did experience this feeling of being lifted up out of our heads. The two of them from the top and me from the third eye area and our psychic friend told us, and she was from that region. She's from that area. She said, don't let them take you. Don't let them take you. So who knows what the heck was going on? It's the craziest experience that I've ever had in my life. I mean, number two would have been the first time we were there. Number one was when we were on Zoom with those folks. Absolutely off the charts. I was feeling chest pains. Our psychic person was telling us that somebody had died of a heart attack and was trying to come through. She asked if Jackie was wearing a relative's piece of jewelry she wears her dad's wedding band on her hand regularly i mean it, it was just crazy the whole thing was insane wow that yeah that's 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 one of the things because as you said the slime down i've had that a couple of times where it feels like you wake up and it feels like i've dropped into bed mm -hmm. yep you know and I, i've i've often wondered is it that something where I, at some point I've asked, you know, like astral projection, like I've actually started to started to go, but for some reason I've snapped back, you know, and it just, it's like, and that, that slam is what you feel. Cause it, 
it does. It literally feels like you've dropped into the bed. For anybody that's never experienced it. I mean, it's, it's a really weird sensation. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I, I, that's, no, that's one. Yeah. If anybody has an idea how to, how to do that, that, that would definitely be something because it's one of those, it's just always been the fascination. It's like how to recreate, you know, how to do this stuff. Cause it's one of those, you know, I, there's definitely when you have multiple people having the same experience doing the same thing, you know, then you have something there because obviously, you know, I really, there's one, there's one show that I, you know, I have to take at face value that they haven't talked before. So you have to take, trust them there, the psychic and the, and the investigator when they go in and then they come back and they compare notes, you know, I, that one's always been more compelling to me. I mean, I, I take it on faith that there wasn't a pre-show meeting, you know, it's like, all right, now here's, here's what we're going to talk about, you know, so, you know, but it's, it's one of those, when you see it, it's like, how compelling is that? It's like when you have, like you said, you had the, on the zoom call, you had somebody saying they're doing this, they're doing this. And that's exactly what the person who's got headphones on in a blindfold is feeling mm-hmm. is that, you know, and that that's pretty compelling to me. And so that, that's, so that, where was this at that you guys, again, that you guys were doing this test? Well, it's in a location we can't really disclose, ah. but we can tell you it is in the state of West Virginia. That's what, that's what, that's what she said. Okay, that's I remember. It, 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 it was somebody this. else's intellectual property, and we don't want to violate that trust. Yeah, that's no, I I understand. That's that wasn't a try to. It's like let's try to backdoor and get the information out of them. No, it was, I was I trying to remember. I'm like, is this is location. And as soon as you said we can't, I'm like, oh, that's right. That was a spite that they can't talk about. It's like. This one we went, we can't disclose it. But it is it is West Virginia. So what is what is it about the Ohio River Valley that is so so you know so potent with this activity? What is it about that? Is it just like you said, it's like a is it a giant pretty much like a giant vortex type thing that's kind of funnels this energy into this location? The author, John Keel, who wrote The Mothman Prophecies, spoke to the fact that West Virginia was kind of off limits to the Native Americans. They didn't really do a whole lot within that state. And I'm not a Native American expert, but typically it seems they had pretty sound reasoning for things they did and things they didn't do. They avoided the state. I've heard the Ohio River Valley being referred to as a, as a valley of the dead. Because a lot of bodies are buried, you know, in the vicinity of the river, right along, you know, the riverbanks and such, and very close to that. Now, I can say that Chief Cornstalk, who we spoke of earlier in the show, his native his native burial grounds were very close to the TNT area or McClintic Wildlife Preserve, as it's known now, which is where the first sighting of Mothman in the Point Pleasant area took place. There was a, there were a couple of them before that, one of them in Clendenin, West Virginia, but you know, to answer your question in a roundabout kind of a way, there there's a lot of there's a lot of mountains there. There's unexplored territory there. There's a very good chance there's stuff that's living out there that hasn't been identified, and there are lots of places to hide. There are a lot of mounds. There are a lot of caves. <laughs> yeah. Ancient mounds, uh, which some some say have something to do with the energy of the area. Um, yeah, it's you know it's one of those. Is that you know did it have something to do with the the giants? Yeah, you know, suppose you know because there's always those te- of where the Native Americans you know fought 
back against those. It was, I think, I remember the story. It was something about it was like, if remember all the details about it, it was like, wasn't it like cannibalistic, like these giants? And it was just, it basically, there was a, I want to say there was something like about a, a giant battle. Yeah. The, I, I've, I've heard that. Yeah. I've definitely heard that. Um, I wonder if, was it around this area? Is that one of the things like this work? Cause I, I believe those stories. It's just, it's, you know, when you have these, they all have the same tales. Like, yeah, we don't go there. There had to be a reason. They didn't just decide, hey, we're not walking over that hill just because, you know, I, I don't feel like walking. I mean, they had some reason to say, don't go there. The moon-eyed people is another theory that mm -hmm. they wouldn't, the Native Americans didn't even want to be there. They wouldn't stay there. They would move through that area because of the moon-eyed people. Yeah, it's just the whole area is just tied in, you know, everything from the Pukwudgie to, you know, it just everything is just in, it just all seems to be just going in that one, you know, just kind of just that nice little section. It's just, it's, see, I'm getting more reasons to do this road trip. Got to get there. <laughs> You'll love it. You won't want to yeah. go back. I, well, until the wintertime rolls around, then I'm, it's going to be peace <laughs> out, palm trees back for me. It's like, yes. Yeah, you're in Florida now. Yeah, so you might want to go back for a while anyhow. Yeah. I'll wait till spring when it starts to thaw out and you know, then go go there. It's like, I know I have to be there in September. I know that for the festival. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that, that's, that's a given. It's, it's gotta be sometime around September, but you know, fortunately that's height of hurricane season. And but you so also that, have to go there when it's not all crowded with festival goers. And so you can just experience the town in its natural state. And its pleasantness. Yeah, that's it. Then you know that's a good point too, because like I said, then you then you get the you get to see what everybody sees like on a regular basis, as opposed to just you know feeding off the energy of the crowd. You know, it's like here, here's like I mean that that is a great point. But before we get too far away, though, what is your favorite thing to research? We haven't gotten to you. My favorite thing to research, and I'm glad you asked the ladies before me because I was thinking. Holy cow, what don't I research, to be yep. honest with you? I was a psychology student for the last 10 years until January. And I still like to study anything that has to do with the thought process or like Jackie and Amanda talked about consciousness, you know, TSP, things of that nature. Uh, man's experience of the divine is really, really interesting to me. I've studied various religions. I have a really good time just trying to understand the, the connections between various belief systems and the things they have in common rather than the things that keep people apart. But honestly, I mean, when it comes down to brass tacks, I have more hours in, more long nights, more video viewing. It, I've studied Mothman more than anything else I've studied in my life. I am totally, totally immersed in the legend. It is a, just a fascinating study to me. It, to me, Point Pleasant from 1966 to 1967 was 13 months worth of Skinwalker Ranch activity off the charts, crazy stuff coupled with wonderful people, totally folksy, approachable individuals. Uh, to me, the whole Point Pleasant Mothman experience has got to be number my number one. Yep. You know, kind of we did that, you know, just kind of bounce on that one too, is are you, are you under, you know, are you kind of in the uh, mindset of like, was that something, because I'm, I'm leaning towards like a few of these sightings. I honestly think it's a thinning of the veil and that there's a crossover event because there's like the van meter visitor. You have these different ones where 
you know, that's the same one. You have all these people that see these things and then just, they're gone. You know, there's, you know, the sightings just go, you know, it's like crazy, crazy, crazy. And then just crashes. I mean, they're, they've just disappeared. I mean, it's one of those, they've come through and then the veils, you know, went, you know, went away, the opening went away and just, and that's why all that stuff just suddenly just comes to a halt. Well, Keel talked about window areas and he referred to the Point Pleasant area as being a window area. Now, as you were saying this, and I don't know that I really had this as a fully baked belief system or anything of that nature, but it seems to me that these window areas can move. Now, there hasn't been a whole lot of reportage of this manifestation of phenomena at that level ever happening in Point Pleasant again. There are occasional sightings, I mean, and there's a lot of legendary status that's ascribed to Point Pleasant now, and people still do see things there but not with the frequency that they did in 66 and 67. So maybe this veil thinned temporarily within that area. Maybe it's still thin in this other area that we're talking about because we can feel it there. I didn't feel anything overly mystical. I, I had a lot of excitement the first couple times we went to Point Pleasant, and then it became like a second home. But that veil is definitely thin in that other spot in West Virginia. For crying out loud, the three of us are here to tell you we felt it. So I wow. do think that there are other areas in diff, you know, different locations throughout the globe the globe i don't know that point pleasant still is one but i do think they still exist and i think they move that's yeah and, and then so the kind of you just kind of said it and that was a segue to like the next roundtable question i was had for you guys what is the the either the craziest or the most intense experience you've ever had in all your research and like i said i know these are these these are the easy questions i'm throwing at you right at the end it's is what are the, it's because it's like I said. There's not really a right or wrong answer. It's just it's like if it just had to pop in your head right now. Yeah, what is that? In the research, uh, probably when uh, they were talking about, we all were kind of coming up out of our heads. Well, at the same time, so I was hooked up to the spirit box, um, and yeah, I'm just I'm just saying random words that I hear. I didn't know what was going on around me at all. But I did stop and say, hey, guys, right now, I feel like I'm coming out of the top of my head. It's really weird. I just feel like I got to say that. And then uh, it turns out I started describing what was going on behind me outside of the car. Uh, it turns out there was some people watching us. But I didn't know this. I just started um, wow. describing That's what cool. they were doing. A man, I was seeing a man, a woman watching, and Bill asked, you know, I couldn't hear him ask, but he asked, should we leave? And I said, undeniable. And so all I know, next thing I know, I just feel the car start. Oh, they're just turning on the air conditioner. They got uncomfortable. Whatever. Then I feel the car move. I'm still hooked up. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And so I ripped the headphones off and the blindfold off. And they asked me, do you know what you just said? No. And then they filled me in. Uh, <laughs> I think that was the, the most dramatic uh, experience I had so far. That was the shortest ghost box session we've ever done. Yes. <laughs> wow. Scariest that was very, got out of there. It happened quickly. It happened very quickly. Yeah. And then it turns out they felt the same thing coming out the tops of their heads. Yeah. When you listen to it back over, you could hear Bill and I talking about feeling like we're being pulled up out of our heads 
And then Amanda says, I just feel like I'm being pulled up out of my head. And then she says, a man, and there's a man in the yard. And then she says, the lady, and the lady's walking across the street and back. You can see her go through her house, come out, stand on the porch and stare at us. You know, and it's like, okay, wow. well, this is getting really weird. <laughs> and then I say yeah. the thing, and you know, we should get out of here. So, Jack, um, what about you? What was it's was this the same thing, or did you, have you had like another instance where it's like either the best evidence, the best, you know, just the best result, just the the craziest experience? Um. Well, that was the scariest experience. I've never been really scared by doing those. That freaked me out. Um, I would say Amanda and I have gone both north and south of Point Pleasant several miles um, to different locations. And based on other sessions with information that we received, and we just keep getting more and more information that would lead us to more and more places. And it's almost, this is the weirdest, this is the weirdest stuff. Um, it's almost like it just wants you to keep going around in circles but never give you answers that that session i was talking about that we did at the studio um whatever was in that studio was toying with every one of us there it was toying with bill it was toying with amanda it was toying and they didn't even know what was going on with the questions i was asking and it was saying stuff um, and they were coming up with the answers and it was playing big time games with us. And we had a couple of hours on of recording of that. So that was probably the very weirdest one where I literally know that <clears throat> something is capable of messing with people and you don't see what it is that's doing it. Yeah. That's, did you, did you have a feeling of whether or not it was, you know, was it spiritual? Do you feel like it was actually more of like a physical, like it was in a physical location, you know, to where, cause there's always been the report, you know, like psychic, you know, the people that can go, actually go in, you know, and, and try almost like a psychic control, you know, cause CIA has been involved in all these, you know, alleged. I, well, when we, went projects. Into this, when we went into this place, um, instantly I got sick feeling in my stomach in the hallway via the bathroom. And then I found out later that there was a, literally a video of an orb that was tossing, you know, toying with a boy and following a boy out of that hallway into another room right in that area. And then I said also another area was back where she had taken us. And I found out later that um, there's electrical equipment, VCRs and things like that, that open and close and come on and go off automatically by themselves quite often there. Um, so I think it's a spiritual thing. I don't know what it was, but it, whatever it was, we were trying to, we, we were asking questions, you know, if we could get a name, just wanted a name. So they knew who they were dealing with. And, um, it just kept like one thing after another, it was like, like somebody we thought, we thought it was a, a somebody that perished in the silver bridge collapse because it was a cold and a cage and then all these different things. And it's like, then they said that it was taken by the hag and we had talked about doing a sleep paralysis study and it's like, mm -hmm. okay, so now it knows that we were going to do that. We're talking about doing that study. And then Indrid cold kept coming up. Indrid, Indrid, Indrid over to bill. I mean, it was like who, whatever it is knows our conversations or our thoughts. 
Yeah, we need to do a show on the night, the night hag, you know, the sleep yes. paralysis. Has like, even, even messed around with the other person yeah. that was there. I can't give her name, but even messed around with her, literally used her name, literally, literally used images to Amanda to describe things about her. I mean, it was, it was very, very weird. It's like it knows what we want to hear almost. I don't know. Wow. Don't know. No, it, it, yeah, that's. That's oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. See, so I've already written it down. It's like that's another thing. It's like we have to do one of these shows on this thing because, oh my god, I love I love that topic. Bill, what about you? What's that? Well, for me, it would have been the time that the five of us were on the same location that Amanda talked about before. What she was talking about was our first trip out to Point Pleasant, the three of us. And what I'm referring to was I think about nine months later when we were out there in June. And we had our, our friends who we connect with on a regular basis with over Zoom. They were with us, one of whom is psychic, another one of whom I think is psychic also. And as they were in there with us, I think for me, the overwhelming electrical sensation of pulling me out of my head, it was like a crackling, ethereal type of feeling. Um, and I, for a little while, didn't think I was going to come back. I thought it was going to pull me right out of my head, right out of my body. That's what it felt like. And then we went into this dialogue that we've already kind of discussed a little bit where Jackie felt the car was shaking when she had you know, the blinders on and the ghost box. And Amanda felt we were shaking. The car was mad at us for doing that because she thought we were shaking the car. I experienced chest pains. Our psychic friend told us somebody had had a heart attack. And then she identified that Jackie was wearing a family member's jewel, you know, piece of jewelry. I mean, all these things were happening. And we were probably online with our friends for... It was probably about an hour. I know we've got that session recorded over Zoom, too. So we kept record of that. But it was just absolutely insane. I mean, to the point that I'm laughing half the time through the whole thing. Because it, it, just when you thought it couldn't get any weirder, it got just a little bit weirder. Wow. No, man. Uh, it, it's, yeah, if we go here, we have to do one of these things. I, I want to see this. <laughs> Maybe you come with us next time we do that. <laughs> No, said if we get it, it's like we would have to plan these things because I just, it's like I want to experience this stuff just to feel, just to feel it. As long as there's not a Ouija board around, I I just can't do those things. No, no Ouija no board. Yeah, I, 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 I just, yeah, like I just, we ask for protection every time we go into these things because we don't want any dark entities getting involved with this. Yeah, well, no, I. Bill, you you weren't quite on board with the spirit box stuff. You were kind of skeptical. I well, it, and then I, you saw what happened when Jackie and I would do it, and then you did it yourself. I don't think that I would use the word skeptical so much as I was kind of more like Craig was talking about hands off. This is yeah. getting too close to voodoo for me. I don't know that I mm -hmm. want to be invoking anything. And I think that that was where I was coming from at that point in time. But then I did get involved, and I've done a couple of them myself as well, too. And we've just come up with so much neat stuff here that you can't deny that there's something happening if you've experienced it and this yeah, isn't something exactly. we're all like trying to put out there, the stuff that we've described from that place that we were at twice in a nine month period of time, there's crackling energy there. It's, it's crazy. It's off the charts. It's absolutely a vortex. Wow. No, that's, that's awesome. Well, is, is that you want, I want to thank you guys for coming on. I Thanks just, I, yeah, I looked up the clock, you know, time right? Really? Like, oh my god, hour and a half! And it's like, <laughs> good lord, I gotta have kept you guys on for a while. No, I was, it's, I've had a great time. Like I said, everybody, 
needs to go to check you guys out. Um, I'm going to put this up on, I'm going to put this up here real quick to, so that way everybody can see it, you know, get in here and just, let's get the click, click, click right here. Phenomenology Research Partners, go, you know, dot com. Talks all about them, get appearances, contact, you know, so if you have, if you have information, like you have seen, you know, something in the Chicago area that is not from the same IP address. If you are from a different IP addresses, please give them some information and send that, send that to them. You can find them on Facebook. You can also, like I said, go to their website, click, click the link right here, Teespring, you know, help support them, you know, t-shirts, you know, hopefully, hopefully that, you know, the little picture I made for the show, you know, turned out okay. I was, I'm, I'm always highly critical of my own, you know, things. And like, every time I do it, I'm like, ah, it looks terrible. And I have other people say, no, it looks great. And I'm like, really? You like that? And it's like, Ugh. but yeah, so it's, it's one of those, you know, check them out, support them. You know, I can't thank you guys enough for coming on. Like I said, this is, this is great. I really enjoyed it. And so, I mean, if any of you guys are experts on, you know, the night hag and the stuff, we might have, have to have you back on. Cause like I said, it's one of those, that's, I'm really fascinated about talking about that is sleep paralysis. Cause that's, Their next that's, What's that? That's our next project. Ooh, all right. Don't threaten me with a good time. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so that's like, yeah. So we, we well, hey, I'll, we'll be in touch. Like I said, maybe we'll um, line something like so we'll talk about it because that's that's one I really want to get in depth because I don't care if you're a believer or not. Everybody has had something like this where you wake up. There's that thing and just you can't wake up. You have this thing and just it's like for some reason you want to move. You, you know, it's almost like you have to will yourself to get it and you finally like snap out of it. And it's just, it's, just, it's this phenomenon. See there, see, use the word. it's a phenomenon that occurs with, you know, almost everybody has had this at some point. So it's, it's, so it's definitely something, but yeah, everybody phenomenology research partners, check them out. Thank them for coming on. You know, it's like I said, so, Amanda, Jackie, Bill, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you guys too. Enjoy. We're we're doing a non we're doing a very non traditional. We're making homemade pizzas. That's our that's our enjoy. Awesome. Yeah. So that's yeah. So we're we're going the 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 unusual route. So it's like yeah, if that's if you're doing the traditional one, good luck on the turkey. That's the, that's the challenge. Always have have the turkey turn out. So, all right, guys. Well, have a great night. Thank Bye -bye. you. You too. You're welcome. And this episode is brought to you by threebeardspodcast.com. Go check us out there. Merchandise, you can you can go to our merch store there or go to redbubble.com. Threebeardspodcast is a thing. Check out the merchandise supporters there. Or you can go to patriotradio.com on Thursdays where we're rebroadcast. Or tonight, we're going to have one of our episodes rebroadcast on ERRT Radio starting at 11-ish p.m., you know, courtesy of Ron. Thank you so much for that, sir. And he's done that. Thanks for everybody watching us. Um, check us out on all the social media, YouTube, Twitter. Um, we have a very um, limited appearance on TikTok because, you know, we're I'm old. I shouldn't be on TikTok. The guy sitting next to me should be the one doing all the TikToking, but it's like, no. So I am the TikToker. <laughs> So that was, yeah, so it's, it's really weird, you know, so I'm, I can't do some of the stupid videos on there. So it's, I'm trying to find something to get traction, but you can just check us out there, like us, follow us, 
help us get to that magical thousand followers, then, you know, the world's open up to us. So it's like everybody, and I forgot to ask you guys, are you guys on YouTube? No. Internally, no. but okay. not externally. Internally. Right. If, they, if they are, you know, just keep, keep an eye out, you know, might convince them to have, you know, get them to open up a cha channel, you know, and post some, some of the research stuff. Cause that, that's pretty cool when you can catch up with people like that. So it's, but yeah, we're on YouTube, you know, follow us there, you know, comments, just let us know, you know, what you, what you liked about the show. Just please do that comment, you know, follow, subscribe, do all that. But best of all, everybody happy Thanksgiving, have a great time with the family. Enjoy it. It's important time to spend time with all the loved ones. So everybody, Thanks for watching. We will see you next week when we are going to be talking with Mary Joyce about under, underground military bases, otherwise otherwise known as DUMBS, D-U-M-B-S, Deep Underground and Military base, Bases. So everybody have a great night. Thanks again. Happy Thanksgiving Day.